Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Jonah, the second chapter, verses uh, 1 through 4. And again, I'm reading from the ESV. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and all your waves and billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Good morning. It is good to be together with God's people on the Lord's Day. I'm glad to see you this morning, and a blessing just to share in this time of worship praise to God and to get to now take a moment and open God's Word together and to continue to study and grow together. What a blessing it is. I would imagine if I had to guess that most people, if they have any kind of church background at all, are probably familiar with the story of Jonah. Probably familiar with how in, in chapter one of that book that bears his name, that Jonah was given a commission by God to go and preach to the city of Nineveh, that great city of the Assyrians, to proclaim God's judgment upon its evil deeds. And how Jonah didn't do that, but instead tried to run from the charge that God had given him, tried to run from God, and how he ended up caught in a storm and eventually tossed into the sea. Probably familiar with how at the end of chapter 1 and into chapter 2, Jonah is swallowed by the great fish, remains in its belly for three days before being spit back onto the land. And you may also probably be aware that Jesus used that image of Jonah in the fish's belly for three days as a foreshadowing of his own time in the grave from which he would be resurrected. If you're familiar with the story of Jonah, you know that in chapter 3, Jonah gets the commission again. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and, and cry out against it. Proclaim God's word against that city. And on that occasion, Jonah listens. He goes, he preaches, and Nineveh hears and repents. And God spares them the disaster that he had planned to bring upon them. And then in chapter 4, you're probably familiar that Jonah gets upset because God did the very thing that Jonah knew that God would do in sparing Nineveh. And Jonah sulks, he's angry, and God rebukes him because of his anger. And as we go through the book of Jonah, there are many themes that I think we will encounter. We might encounter the theme of obedience, right? Because Jonah was disobedient to God in the beginning when he was given that commission to go and preach, but later he was obedient to the command. He did what God commanded. Uh, another theme we might encounter might be that the nature of God and several aspects of God's nature. For example, his, his omnipresence, his being everywhere, uh, at the same time, there was nowhere that Jonah could go to hide from God. 
He might have thought he could for a moment, but he soon learned that, no, he can't hide from God. Uh, God's expectations for all people, even though the Ninevites didn't have the law that the Israelites had, they were still going to be held accountable for their wickedness. But then in relation to that, also God's love and mercy for all. Because Nineveh was a Gentile city. They were not God's special people, if you will, but God still loved them. God still wanted to give them the opportunity to change from their wicked ways. And when they repented, God responded to their repentance with mercy. And then, of course, that brings up a third theme, which is repentance. Uh, that, that's a, a theme really uh, throughout the, all of the prophets, but especially here in the book of Jonah, because what do we see? We see Nineveh repenting at the preaching of Jonah. They turned from their wickedness, at least for a little while, but they, they did. They had that, that time where they were doing what was right. Jonah had to repent. He tried to run from God. And he had, to, he had to learn the hard way, but he still had to learn, and he did learn, no, I can't run from God. I need to go do what God said. <clears throat> and then maybe another theme would be love for enemies. Because even though Jonah repented and did what God said with regard to preaching to the Ninevites, he still didn't really love them as evidenced by his behavior in chapter 4. You know, I had originally intended this morning to talk about that theme of repentance. Again, it's a theme not only in Jonah, but really a theme that we see throughout the, the, the minor prophets and really throughout the prophets in general. Maybe we'll have that discussion next week. Maybe at another time, the, the Lord willing, we'll, we'll have that discussion on repentance. We will have that discussion the Lord willing, at some point. I just don't know exactly when. But it's one worth discussing. But on Wednesday night, as we were participating in our devotional together, we sang the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Matt led us in that on Wednesday night. Done a fantastic job, as he always does. And we sang that first verse, that song, we sing the words that are on the screen right now, words that you probably know if you, if you know that song. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And as we were singing those songs on that song on Wednesday night, it struck me. Um, something stirred within me and I thought to myself that that's what we need to talk about on Sunday morning. And I don't, I'm not going to stand here and say, oh, the Holy Spirit moved me to, to, to... No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying something is, as we were singing those words, just struck me differently. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning is prayer. Because it's not all that rare for, to, for me to hear a fellow Christian say something like, I don't feel like I pray as I should, or, you know, I often get caught up in the, the daily grind, the to-do list, and I don't take much time to talk to God. Honestly, sometimes I'm the one saying that, and I hear it from others as well. But thankfully, we have an example 
in Jonah chapter 2. You know, that, 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 that Jonah 2, I think, sometimes gets overlooked, doesn't it? Because Jonah 1 is all about him, him running from God and, and then getting tossed into the sea and swallowed by the fish. The end of chapter 2 is when he gets spit back up on the land. And in chapter 3, he goes and preaches to Nineveh. But what happens in between? During that three days, I don't think we talk about that as much, but in Jonah chapter 2, almost the entire chapter is a prayer as Jonah waits in the belly of the fish. What kind of prayer did Jonah pray? You know, when we pray, there, there are a number of different kinds of prayers that we, we might bring before the throne of God, and, and, and maybe they, they might all be included in, in a single uh, time of prayer, or we might use, pray them separately at different times, depending on the occasion. And I don't know where I heard it first. Uh, it's probably been around for a while, but someone somewhere along the way came up with an acronym to help remember different, different kinds of prayer or different elements that should be present when we pray to God, or different things we should pray for at different times. They gave the acronym of, of ACTS, A-C-T-S, and that stands for Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. It's four different things to be present in our prayers, whether all in one prayer or, or in several different prayers at various times uh, throughout our lives. Adoration would be those prayers that are uh, praise and worship to God. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. There in Jesus' model prayer in Matthew 6 and verse 9. Now he begins that prayer with, with, with praise, with adoration, with worship for the Father whose name is holy. Or maybe think back to the Psalms, which I, I know are, you know, some of them are meant to be sung, but they're also prayerful in many occasions. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I don't know about you, I've heard prayers started with, with those words from Psalm 8 and verse 1. It is an a, 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 a expression of praise, of worship, of glorifying God's majesty, of adoration. For him. Confession, it's just what it sounds like. <laughs> it's confession of our sins. It's confession of our weaknesses before God. And yeah, I know, you know, God already knows the, the weaknesses that we have. God already knows the sins that we have in our lives. But he says in 1 John, verse 1, or verse 9, rather, chapter 1. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive. Not because God doesn't already know about our sins, but because we're acknowledging, we're expressing to God, it's like, yes, I messed up and I realize that. That word confession literally means to speak the same thing as. When we confess our sins, we're, we're speaking the same as God does about our sins. We are recognizing that our sins are, are against His will. They are lawlessness. They are things that will separate us from God. And we're coming to God humbly, in confession, asking for His forgiveness. 
Much as David did back in Psalm chapter 51, verse 4, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Now that was the prayer David uttered after his sin with Bathsheba. And we might think, well, didn't David sin against Bathsheba? Yes, he did. Didn't David sin against Uriah, her husband? Yes, he did. Didn't David sin against the whole nation of Israel? Yes, he did. But he said, ultimately, ultimately my sin was against God. He confessed that he had done wrong. Thanksgiving, again, just what it sounds like. Giving thanks to God as Jesus did in John 6 and verse 11 before he broke the loaves and divided the fish so that they could be uh, distributed to more than 5,000 people. I think about Paul who often in his letters would express how in his prayers he gave thanks for the Christians to whom he was writing in Romans chapter 1 verses 8 and 9 or 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 4, Philippians 1 and verse 3 among others, giving thanks to God. And then supplication are the requests that we make. The things we ask God for. And I imagine in many cases, this probably takes up the majority of our prayers. Maybe we should amend that. Not saying we shouldn't ask God for things, but we should not neglect these other three aspects of prayer as well. But supplication is when we ask God. When we ask God to meet our needs like Jesus, again, in the model prayer, Matthew 6 and verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Give us the things we need for this day. That's a request. Or maybe something more specific. Paul prayed in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He prayed three times for his thorn in the flesh to be removed. But he received the answer, my grace is sufficient for you. Which that's evidence that we don't always get the answer that, that we think that we want. But God always provides the answer that is best. Now you might assume. You might assume that as Jonah is there, back, back, back in Jonah chapter 2, as Jonah is there, three days in the belly of this, this creature, this fish, uh, the, the, some, some, the older translations say a whale. I don't, know, I don't know what kind of creature it was. It was a sea creature of some kind, but Jonah's in its belly. Sure, that wasn't a pleasant experience. It's dark. Probably didn't smell too good. It was dirty, right? Slimy, maybe. You might assume that where, while Jonah is there in the belly of the fish, that his prayer would have been a prayer of supplication with a prayer of pleading with God for deliverance. Lord, get me out of here, right? But let's read his prayer. Jonah chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Pay careful attention to the things Jonah says. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. And I said, I'm driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. 
The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Does that sound like a man who is actively begging for his life? Or does it sound more like a man who's giving thanks because his life has been spared? You go back and you notice a few things in that prayer. Look at verse 2 again. Jonah said, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. I called out, I have called out, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, out of the grave, he says, I cried, and you heard my voice. Down in verse 7, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Sounds like Jonah had prayed for deliverance and had received an answer. And now he's praying in response to receiving that answer. Verse 3 and 4, you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight. Jonah at one point thinking, this is it. It's all over. God's cut me off, and this is where I meet my end. But then he says at the end of verse 4, Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. Jonah thought he, he, he had met his end. He thought it was all over. He thought this was, this was the, final, you know, uh, the, the final moment. But then he realizes, no, I will. I will look upon God's temple again. I will be spared. Verse 5 and 6, he basically says, I was as good as dead. I, I, was, I was in the grave. I, I, was, I was at the bottom of the pit. But you, oh God, rescued me. You rescued me from that, that situation. And then verse 8 and 9, there's contrast between those who reject God or maybe even those who run from God as Jonah had tried to do. And then where Jonah was at that moment, he was ready to give God all glory in thanksgiving for delivering him. See, when Jonah prayed from the belly of the fish, it was a prayer of thanksgiving. At some point previously, he had prayed a prayer of supplication, a prayer asking for God's deliverance. We don't know. We don't know how long Jonah was, was in the sea before the fish swallowed him up. You know, the scripture doesn't say that. It says they cast him into the sea, and then God prepared a fish. I imagine some time could have passed. For all we know, Jonah could have, you know, bobbed on the sea for, for a few hours, a day, maybe two. 
people have survived in that situation for, for, for lengthy periods of time. Maybe God waited a bit before sending the fish. Maybe God let Jonah, you know, kind of like you, you, you might have done with your kids, you know, sit and think about what you did or didn't do. Maybe somewhere during that time, Jonah did ask God to deliver him. And God did. The fish was not Jonah's punishment. The fish was Jonah's salvation. The fish was Jonah's deliverance to get him out of certain death in the sea. And at that point, it became appropriate to give God thanks for answering his prayer. And that's exactly what Jonah does in Jonah chapter 2. He's saying thank you to the God who rescued him from certain death. And what are some things that we can learn from this story, this, aspect, this part of Jonah's story, this part of Jonah's story that maybe we don't talk about as much as the, the other parts of the story, right? It's not as exciting of a story, Jonah waiting in the fish and praying, but it's so important, it's so special for us to think about this and think, what can we learn? You know, the scriptures are filled with reminders to never be afraid to carry the things that we're concerned about, to carry them before our God in prayer. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. Luke 18 and verse 1, Luke tells us that Jesus told a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, that, that passage we always think about as the, 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 the armor of God, the whole armor of God, ending there in verse 17 with the, and, and, you know, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. But the sentence continues in verse 18. You take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. How can we forget Philippians 4 and verse 6? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Colossians 4 and verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that a proper time he may exalt you. Verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Oh, what, what were the words again? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. The Bible is filled with reminders that we can carry everything to God in prayer. The, 
big things and the little things. On your darkest, most difficult days, don't forget that you have a God who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or imagine. Ephesians 3 verse 20. He was able to rescue Jonah from certain death in the sea. He had him swallowed up by that great fish. He kept him alive in that fish's belly for three days. God can handle whatever problems we bring to Him. He will handle them in accordance with His will. But also keep in mind, God's not too busy or too important for the little things that concern us. Don't be anxious in anything. That's what Paul said, right? It wasn't don't be anxious in the big things. Don't be anxious in the major things. Don't be anxious in anything. But, by, but in everything, let your request be made known to God. Now it may be the case that that seemingly little thing that you're dealing with that you bring before God, God may have something bigger and better in store. May not be exactly what we're thinking, may not be the way that we think it should happen, but it will be what God knows to be right. The point is, don't be afraid to take it before Him. And when He answers, whether it be in the way you expect it or not, don't forget to give God thanks. I'm sure as Jonah prayed to God to rescue him from the depths of the sea, that being swallowed by a, a massive sea creature probably wasn't at the top of his list of expectations. But God rescued the prophet nonetheless. And I'm, again, I'm sure it probably wasn't the most pleasant place to be for three days. But it was better than being drowned in the sea. And for that, Jonah gave God thanks. And understand that, that when God answers, whenever, or whenever He answers, whatever He answers, however He answers, it's right. It's exactly what we need in that moment and in that time. And we may not see it for several years, to be honest. Sometimes God might answer our prayer and then somewhere, you know, on down the line, we realize, oh, that's why that happened in that way. That's why I didn't get that thing that I asked for because God had this in store. God had this plan. I think about Paul. Again, Paul did not get what he wanted when he prayed for the Lord to take away his thorn in the flesh. But he got precisely the answer he needed. And he understood it was the right answer. And he was thankful. May we have the same understanding when God answers our prayers. And that we might be thankful. Prayer is such a special privilege that we have as the children of God. It's an aspect of our life in Christ. As I said at the beginning, I, I, I want to grow in prayer. I hope that you do too. 
it, 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 it is my prayer. If, it, if it's something that's, that's lacking for you, maybe this study of Jonah this morning, maybe our study of his prayer will encourage you to grow in your own time of prayer with God. But maybe you're here this morning and you desire the prayers of your brethren. You know, the Bible tells us in James chapter 5 and verse 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. So whether it be a sin that, that you're entangled in or, or a desire to grow spiritually or whatever the need, let the church pray for you this morning. Or if there's someone here who's not a child of God, but you desire to become one. If you need to study God's Word and then understand what that means, how to become a child of God and what, what's expected of you, then, then we'd be glad to help with that this morning. If you're ready, if you can take that step this morning, we'd love to help with that as well. But the Lord's invitation is extended to you, whoever may have the need to reach out this morning and receive the help that you need. Will you do that this morning? Will you come and let your request be made known? Do that while we stand and while we sing together.